This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So much going on today. I'm so glad you're here. Rich Lowry at the bottom of the hour from National Review. Uh, We know the president's going to be meeting with the Speaker of the House. That'll be interesting today. But the other big story is Tom Brady retired. He he did it about a half hour ago. Uh, I'm not sure when you listen to this. A lot of you guys listen to it on the podcast, which is understandable. But uh, 8 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, When we first got it, I think this story was three minutes old. He did it on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. I'm not sure where it originated, but it was definitely on Twitter where I found it. And he basically just went out and back, looks like Miami, uh, put on his, uh, uh, held up his iPhone and retired. Uh, That's it. And we actually have it. We'll get to that a little bit later. But there's other breaking news happening, too. They just found a terrorist from Iran on the FBI terrorist watch list. Where do they find them? Drum roll, please. At the border. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. The 600,000 plus getaways. Do you know where they are and, and who they are? So gotaways have been a challenge from year to year, regardless of the administration. Oh, what a clown. The worst. That's Mayorkas. Let the hearings begin. Oversight and judiciary take aim at the border from fentanyl to the impeachment of Mayorkas. Ready, aim, fire today on Capitol Hill. Number two. But when you're looking at a run for president, you look at two things. You first look at does the current situation push for new leadership? Yes, we need to go in a new direction. And can I be that leader? Yes, I think I can be that leader. (laughs) That is Nikki Haley. It's going to make it official shortly. 2024, Donald Trump. You're about to get some company. Haley about to jump in to the GOP race for the nomination and calls 45 first. That's interesting. Tim Scott, Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence set to follow. Number one. We now know that FBI agents, personnel, went into the Penn Biden Center. That's the think tank where the former vice president had an office after the Obama-Biden administration. We know they conducted a search. This was previously undisclosed by the White House. And we don't know why. Wait. What? The FBI did rifle through the UPenn Biden Center? When did they do it? November? Now you tell us? And what did they find? Oops, you haven't said that yet. Where else has the FBI been and where are they going? Not exactly the SUV caravan chopper-led raid on Mar-a-Lago, but does show there's a lot of there there. And Joe, you will have regrets. one 866 So uh, I was stunned by this. I don't know about you. Maybe you're getting tired of the story. I'm not. 
the number of agents involved in the search is unclear, but the president's team was fully aware and gave their consent. Oh, that's nice of them to the FBI action. That's at the Penn Biden Center in Washington. According to sources familiar with the investigation, Biden's handling of classified material. There's no search warrant involved, and it's unclear whether additional documents were taken. We thought between 25 and 30. Next thing you know, they're in Wilmington. Next thing you know, they I don't know, they're in the garage in Wilmington. And now how soon until they're going to Rehoboth, or have they been there already? Has anyone looked at the University of Delaware where boxes and boxes of documents are? I don't think you have yet, but it's certainly a place that if you were doing a legitimate investigation, you would look. And before I get to Brady, I just want you to hear Kate Benningfield, who's usually very good, and she should have been the press secretary, White House Communications Director, cut one. Were any additional classified documents found as part of that search? That's not something I can comment on from here. That's something you'll need to ask the Justice Department. What I can say is that we have been cooperative and uh, transparent from the outset. While he absolutely takes this seriously and continues to cooperate, he's also continuing to focus on the things that matter in people's lives. She goes on. Cut to. If you are indeed being transparent, why the continued trickle of disclosure around these classified documents? We have released multiple statements from the White House, and President Biden's personal attorney has released multiple statements over the last month, uh, walking through the process and agreeing to be fully, fully cooperative with the Justice Department. She didn't answer the question, skillfully went around it, but everybody at home from the 8 to 80 years old, no, she didn't answer the question. What's the FBI doing? How bad is it that they actually have to do a raid on the president? After the 15th, is when the attorney general puts a special prosecutor out. On the second, it's discovered. The timeline handed out. Not This was discovered before the election, held until January. Now, February 1st, we find out, excuse me, yesterday, January 31st, we find out the FBI has been there. This is a lot more serious. And it's really serious because they don't want to find anything. And when you don't want to find anything and you're forced to keep going, that's how bad it is. We already know it dates back 20 years. Don't tell me Donald Trump is more serious. That was six months. And they gave back 16 boxes. And they wanted the others. They gave a subpoena. And they're going back and forth. Next thing you know, it's a raid as soon as Trump decides to go for the winter to New Jersey. It's just as serious, if not more. Trump was front and center. You want him to give him up sooner. I get it. But Joe Biden's got problems. And all this is coming out and hitting the fire and hitting the fan before he announces he's running for re-election. With everybody on the sidelines, with him coming off a pretty decent midterm for him but losing the House. And they'll have that big meeting today. The other big story is 2024. Donald Trump's been on the stump. He started off slow, not being bad, but slow. Saturday, Sunday, New Hampshire Sunday. Saturday was South Carolina. 200 people, 1,000 people, things like that. But Nikki Haley said she called the president and said, I think I'm going to be running. Here's what the president said on his plane. The audio is not great, but the president being very magnanimous in this. Cut eight. Well, Nikki Haley made the statement that she would never run against our president. I believe Mike did too. But my attitude is, you know, if they want to do that, they should do it. I had a good relationship with all of them. Nikki Haley called me the other day. To talk to me, I talked to her for a little while, but I said, "Look, you know, go by your heart if you want to run." She's publicly stated, "I would never run against my president. He was a great president. I'd never run." 
did she call you to tell you that she was going to be right? No, but she called me. She said uh, she, she'd like to consider it. And she was letting you know? And I said, you should do it. Said you should do it. That means game on. Go ahead. You want to try? Go take your best shot. Mike Pompeo the same way. Nikki Haley's going to talk about how effective he was, but it's time for a new generation of leader. Uh, Tim Scott's right behind. So 2024 is getting extremely interesting. I talked to a potential candidate today, and he said it's way too early, way too early, and encouraged that it doesn't seem that the president's getting traction. So that was him going back and forth on his plane, I think, over the weekend. But here is Donald Trump telling us how he felt about other people that work for him running against him. This is what he said on the radio show. Cut eight. How would you handle running against people in your cabinet like Pompeo, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence? Well, many of them have said they would never run if I run. So we'll see whether or not that turns out to be true. I think it would be very disloyal if they did. But that's okay too. And it is. And, you know, they're just going to get personal and the president's going to say, yeah, I brought up behind the scenes. They were trying to get rid of Mike Pence. If she's trying to do that, why? how loyal can she be? But on the surface, her resume looks real good. She's very engaging, extremely smart uh, governor. She's got the international experience. Right now, that position's not too prestigious, depending on who has it. When she had it, she had a lot of freedom, and she was extremely strong. She was almost like a mini secretary of state who reported right to the president. And when it was time for her to resign after two and a half years— she wanted to do it in the Oval Office, and the president said that's absolutely fine with me. So uh, we're going to come back and play Tom Brady's retirement announcement. Also, at the bottom of the hour, Rich Lowry will make sense of this. Also, what could be happening with the debt ceiling lifted uh, lifted or not lifted with Kevin McCarthy's help or hindrance? Uh, what's going to happen with the President Biden-McCarthy meeting? There are moderate Democrats who just wrote an interesting letter that will affect this meeting. I'll go over that when we come back. Busy day. So glad you're here. Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year, so... Uh, really, thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me. My family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. 
Thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. Wow, that is uh, Tom Brady shocking everyone today, this morning, sitting on a beach. It looks like Miami, probably. You guys could probably figure it out with the background. I haven't been to Miami enough to know. But people that know were saying, yo, that's clearly Miami. But let's just say uh, he's sitting on a beach, warm weather. He just held up his camera or put it on a tripod and retired. So what's significant about that? Even if you're listening to me now and saying, I'm not a football fan. Everybody knows Tom Brady. Literally, everybody knows Tom Brady. Like everyone knew Muhammad Ali. Like everybody knows Michael Jordan. And what I find astounding about him is 23 years, the last few with the Bucs, wins a Super Bowl, uh, wins two divi- wins three divisions, uh, then wins a playoff game last year, one win away from getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, the Rams end up winning everything, or two wins away from getting to the Super Bowl. He gets a playoff win. So... And I think he could have played again. I don't think he had the best year, but he had the divorce. He had the delay on training camp. Then he had the escape when he would just miss from practice a few days. And then, of course, losing 15 pounds because of the divorce. We understand that Giselle is coming out with a Vanity Fair tell-all, breaks her silence on the divorce. And I'm sure that's never... I think he's a great guy and we'll be best friends, right? I mean... You don't think she'll say that? I think they have a pretty... It sounded like it was a pretty amicable situation. They had every chance. She had every chance to say no big deal. I'm telling you, she seems like a handful when she gets a, like, uh, uh, she seems like a hothead. And I think that. Well, I mean, does, I mean, like, I mean, those. Uh, well, you know, he's a, well, Tom Brady's a pretty you, intense, too. You have two strong, very type, right. big type A personalities that are going to butt heads over things. And she's but. back to being a supermodel. I mean, look, out of all, of all the people we know that go through divorce, usually it's. We don't have any money. How are we going to survive? How am I going to afford to pay the house? Uh, who gets the car? Who gets the dog? Who gets the kids? This is good. This is one of the easier ones you'll ever say. But people, because he's been around for 23 years in the spotlight, because he's won seven Super Bowl championship, multi-MVPs, because he has got a diet that everybody looks at, TB12, and all the supplements that go along with that, uh, because I think this is, adds to it. He was a six-round draft pick for a reason. He was good in college, but he had trouble starting. He had to split the game twice in college with other people. He was on the seventh on the depth chart when he got to the University of Michigan, was about to transfer, stuck around. One of the guys was actually the coach's son. The coach ends up leaving. The new coach comes in. He ends up being the start of the last year. But everyone said he's too slow a foot, uh, big, too big a wind-up, hard release. We're not going to draft him to the sixth round. Gets a chance to play on a freak injury by Mo Lewis. Uh, rips the, I forgot what it was, but I, the, rips the, almost kills Drew Bledsoe. So in comes Tom Brady. They go to the Super Bowl and win it. That was the year of 9-11 when you 2 played at halftime, and Drew Bledsoe was considered top five quarterback in the league. When he got healthy, they helped him win a playoff game. When, when it was they were both healthy, Bill Belichick goes, no, I'm going to let Tom Brady win it. And they beat the greatest team on turf, the uh, the Rams of St. Louis at the time, and they beat him, and there's some controversy with that, with taping the pregame and some things around that. But they go on to play for 20 years for the Patriots and then says, I'm going to go to another team. Then he goes to the Bucks. The pandemic hits. He breaks protocol and goes ahead and meets in the park with Byron Leftwich and gets in trouble. Believe it or not, think how crazy we were. They didn't want people playing in the park football. So they get together. They go over the playbook. 
They go and play in front of no fans. He wins a Super Bowl championship at home for the first time ever because they named the site ahead of the event. Like Las Vegas has got it in two years. This year, Arizona's got it. The team that hosts the event almost never gets into it except last year. And then when Brady goes in front of no fans, wins his seventh Super Bowl title and then has another good year next year and was okay this year. So they did it all at 45. I mean, if you play 38 is old, 36 is old, 45 and still able to play when you're not considered for that level, an elite athlete is stunning. So people say, what do you eat? What did you do? How'd you do it? One of the things he did is plyometrics. He's huge, not into weights. He's into stretching. He's into maximizing flexibility. The other thing is, in the roughest sport outside maybe rugby and UFC, in the most uh, grueling sport ever, he never gets hurt. Almost, I think he missed one season, one half of one season. So that's another thing that's just uh, – and you're a quarterback where you're literally sitting back there and people are trying to kill you. So we'll talk about that. So uh, that's the story with Tom Brady. He is retired. You just heard the whole announcement. Uh, what do you think about that? one 408 So I, I, this is one of those days, a first time in a long time, because the news hasn't been that voluminous of late, of, of, of intrigue. I'm sure there's a lot of intrigue. But today I was telling Allison I could have done a, best, uh, a big 10. So one of the big stories is what's happening with immigration. I know about the hearings, but just immigration in particular. Uh, it's one of the most it's one of the most tedious stories, but the most important story that we we report. The breakdown, total breakdown of our border, hundreds of thousands of gotaways, which means we see the back of their heads, the people that we don't even see. So no, hundreds of thousands of gotaways, four million illegals, forty three thousand in New York City alone. Tens of thousands in other big cities, sanctuary cities that allow people to stay without being a sense that they could be deported if found. And now they're getting put up in hotels, beautiful hotels, and for about 300 to 500 a night. We're paying it in New York City. Federal government uh, will supplement it, so we're all paying it. And now we have people in the Brooklyn Terminal saying, I don't want to go to the Brooklyn Terminal because there's just cots and ping pong and flat screens and three meals a day, and ferry passes, and bus passes, and subway passes, and free health care. We don't want to go. Think about this. This is so such an in-your-face. We'll give you all this for free, and we'll show us such a lack of appreciation. We will throw out the food. We will wreck the rooms. We'll get drunk and have sex in the We'll get drunk in the lobbies. We'll have sex in the stairwells, and we'll just abuse the entire situation. Then refuse to go to the Brooklyn Terminal to, to have more free housing and free health care. Think about that for a second. So with all this happening, with a city that needs $2 billion, the president asking for to supplement, that's way too much. We have no more room. The president announces the building of a tunnel or the refurbishing of a tunnel on the West Side Highway and doesn't even go six blocks to see what the hell is going on with these illegal immigrants. The mayor, who he's buddies with, who he's mentoring to a degree, for, for the most part, doesn't ask for a thing. Gutless. Governor doesn't ask for a thing, nor does she provide any state fund for the city, which provides most of uh, the accommodations. So to me, I find this maddening. Here's Claudia Tenney of New York, Cut 17. Now we know they're causing destruction. You saw the, the uh, migrants complaining about the condition in Hell's Kitchen. You have crossed into the U.S. border illegally, and you've, our, our federal government had, and Joe Biden shows no respect for our taxpayers, no respect yep. for the cost. Mayor Adams has been complaining about the billions of dollars he's had to spend on the 
relatively small number of migrants coming into New York City and now also upstate New York, when yeah. we have 4.5 million that have come in just since Joe Biden was elected president. Yeah, it's commanding. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk about this and so much more with uh, Rich Lowry, and then we'll put in perspective Tom Brady's retirement. So much going on. So glad you're here. Brian Kilmeade Show. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my (laughs) name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. What they can do, the best thing they do is draw out the facts, as you said, Trace. How many people are coming across the border illegally? How much fentanyl is coming across? What are the crime rates at the border? Why is the Biden administration not executing the laws that Congress has written and that Trump enforced and, tr- and Trump enforced them? Hate him or love him, he enforced them rather successfully. What is the harm that's being caused by, I think, the Biden administration's enthrall to this radical mm-hmm. ideology about immigration that looks at our borders and looks at immigration laws as racist and instead is ignoring the protection of the national sovereignty. I think that's, again, a good thing for Congress to draw yeah. out and hold the Biden administration accountable in the next elections. And what John is referring to, he used to be an attorney with the Bush administration, is uh, the news that came out yesterday. Oh, by the way, on November 15th, the FBI went through the Biden UPenn office in Washington, D.C. What? You gave us the timeline in January for documents that were found in November 2nd. We don't even know what caused you to suddenly feel as though you have to send your lawyer to clean out your office. Mystery not solved. Then they find documents. Then the FBI goes through with your lawyers present, your Wilmington home, finds more documents, and your garage more documents. Then you come back and say November 15th, the FBI went through the UPenn office. Did they find documents? No, I don't know. Uh, what made them go? I don't know. Why are you telling us now? I don't know. I mean, what is going on? Why are they getting a pass on this? And please stop telling me that Donald Trump did something so much worse. You found documents that dated back almost 20 years. We don't know what they found at the University of Delaware where boxes of his paperwork is shipped as if someone's interested in what he did in the Senate. Rich Lowry joins us now, editor of National Review, author of The Case for Nationalism. Hey, Rich, Mike Pence had documents. President Trump had documents, been dueling it out with these documents. But this stuff with Joe Biden just got a little bit worse yesterday. Yeah, it's a significant change in the timeline, right? And they, they've been swearing up and down that they're completely – transparent, which was, was dubious just based on what we knew prior to yesterday. But then then all of a sudden, wait a minute, there was an FBI search much earlier than, than we knew, and no one ever told us? It's crazy, and just raises more questions about why were they poking around looking looking for the stuff in the first place. So tell me if you think this is a stretch. Why While we get these revelations, while we're trying to find out about these documents, 
Then we see that Hunter Biden seems to have gotten some very inside information uh, about Russian oligarchs when uh, around his Ukrainian Burisma days. And he put that in a letter to his business partner, Devin Archer. And we know the crackhead wasn't really the most dealt in oligarch expert Mm -hmm. prior to this statement. Here is uh, and people wonder, did he use some of his dad's intelligence when he was vice president? Listen to what Monica Crowley takes this leap. Cut for just like the classified document uh, scandal on Joe Biden is also an organized hit on him. You would not know about Joe Biden's classified documents, Jesse, if the deep, deep state didn't want you to know about them. Likewise, with these stories, they're being seeded in the nation's top newspapers about what a chronic mess uh, Kamala Harris is. And when they talk about Elizabeth Warren making her statement where Joe Biden should pick whoever he wants to run, obviously he picked her. And she's putting something out there that if she might not be the best partner, and now this stuff is coming out with a, from CBS and the Washington Post. You've been around Washington so much. Your sources are incredible with the National Review. What do you think about this? Does this sound, this sound like a familiar pattern? Uh, I, I don't think that, uh, de- Democrats want to sabotage him. Uh, I, I think they, they know he's, he's all they got. They fear Kamala Harris. She's so incompetent, and it, it's not clear. You know, Pete Buttigieg – wouldn't be any better. So they they have no bench at the moment. So Biden's Biden's the only thing they got. So I, I don't think there's any kind of internal Democratic effort to sabotage him. And I think that the press has taken this more seriously than they, they would most Democratic scandals, although obviously there's still a disparity between the treatment of, of Trump's documents and Biden's documents. But they just know how bad it is, and they, they feel as though the questions haven't been answered. So every now and then you'll have the, the press really um, digging in on uh, uh, against the Democrat, we saw it in um, you know uh, August 21, the Afghan withdrawal. It was clearly a debacle. He had tough press coverage over that, and he had t- tough press press coverage here. So I think I think those are the explanations. But um, you know, there, there's there's more to learn. And if we find out Evan is pointing in a more sinister direction, I'll change my view. All right. So I want to talk about 2024, but I also want to talk about the column you have. The Washington Post botches the Florida classroom library controversy. A lot of people, like Chris Sununu, were critical of Governor DeSantis for going after wokeism and going after schools in this Florida school situation. You said the anti-DeSantis uh, DeSantis advocates have been falsely asserting that Florida teachers face potential felonies for displaying non-approved books. And lo and behold, the Washington Post has picked up the same line. What's going on here? They're trying to go after him and show some vulnerability? Yeah. So, so, so they they pass this law that says you can't have um, inappropriate materials uh, in in the classroom, and uh, if you do, there's um, you know you, your teacher you could get in trouble. You know, you're, they could look at your certificate or, or something like that. But there are no criminal penalties as part of this law. And then you have a county or two. In order to make a point, they're telling the teachers, "Oh my God, you know, you could be thrown in jail tomorrow. Remove all your books from classrooms. Cover them up with construction paper." And and then CNN comes up and shows up in the classroom and says, look, you know, look at this Orwellian situation where they can't display books anymore. And it is created out of, out of whole cloth. You know, they just want a school librarian or someone to look at the books, make sure there's nothing uh, graphic or inappropriate. But that's it. I mean, it's a common sense uh, measure. And there's another law, though that I believe predates DeSantis, at least has been around for a while, that says he can't give kids pornography, right? 
you're going to go to jail if you do that. I'm sure like every state in the country has some version of that law, and and they're they're confusing the two and saying if you have a disapproved book or a book that a librarian has approved, you're going to go to jail. And um, left wing journalists started this this trope, and the Washington Post picked it up uh, thoughtlessly. I mean, they, the reporter clearly clearly didn't read any of the statutes or delve into it. She just accepted this as as gospel. And then they had to clarify it yesterday. But even the clarification is uh, squirrely, and I think meant to be misleading. So it's just another uh, indication that uh, we all know about Trump derangement syndrome, but there's a DeSantis derangement syndrome out there, too. Right. So let's talk about what we now know. It looks like on the 15th, Nikki Haley is going to get into this race, and she's going to make it official running for president. She said she spoke to the president, and the president has backed that up. I played the clip a little while ago. I said, do what you have to do. Uh, But she did say in the past that she would not run against him. This is what Donald Trump told us on this show, told me on this show about a month ago about all these cabinet members running against him. Cut eight. How would you handle running against people in your cabinet like Pompeo, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence? Well, many of them have said they would never run if I run. So we'll see whether or not that turns out to be true. I think it would be very disloyal if they did, but that's okay too. So he's going to have to take on his own side. We know he went to New Hampshire we know he went to South Carolina where he got the governor's endorsement and Senator Lindsey Graham's endorsement. And on Saturday, Tim Scott told me basically he looks like to me he's running and he's going to Iowa uh, for some Lincoln dinner in a couple of weeks. How do you think about how the field's shaping up and is it too early? Well, it's, uh, you know, everyone else is waiting. Because uh, all the governors need to do their their legislative sessions, you know, in in the spring, and then everyone else is like, why do I want to be the, the 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 one person in with Trump and and maybe have him, you know, turn turn his eye on me and and destroy me? I'm I'm just going to wait. So you've had a waiting pattern with everyone except for Haley, and I imagine they just think, you know, there, uh, there's some percentage to getting in first, right? We're talking about Nikki Haley, uh, whereas we, we might be talking about her a little less if she was the 10th candidate in the race. I think it's um, uh, it, it's it's a problem that she said she wouldn't run if Trump did. You know, that that outside of just, you know, that's going to be used against her, it, it's just, why why say that if you think there's some chance he might run? You know, it's, it's a, little, a little thoughtless and I think um, kind of careless and might might bode ill for for how she uh, how it goes for her as a national candidate, but we'll see. And I, I think Trump's statement, you know, which was relatively mild about her, might reflect his understanding that a crowded field is good for him. So all, all things considered, he'd probably he's, I don't think Nikki Haley is going to beat him, uh, and he'd rather ha- that circumstance he'd rather have her have her in than not because she can take away uh, support from someone who uh, perhaps could beat him, you know, like a Ron DeSantis. See, I, I look at her on paper as really formidable, but the polling doesn't reveal that yet. But we'll see what happens, right? Yeah, and people like her. I mean, they're, if you're in a room with her and, and Republicans, they, 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 they like her. Right. Uh, so out of the other, what, is, what has Trump showed you so far? You know, two two things. I think um, you know a, a lot of uh, missteps at the the beginning after he announced. Uh, I, I think clearly his support is less than it used to be, uh, but it's not it's not nothing, and potentially is very very formidable. And you know, it, the the attack he made on DeSantis from the the plane where he's like DeSantis closed the beaches, et cetera, which is actually true. You know, at the beginning DeSantis closed stuff down the way everyone uh, else did, but then uh, very quickly had a different approach. But anyway. I I was just struck by 
it could have been Trump from 15 or 16. And there's a natural authority to him, a charisma to him. You hang on his every word, and that's just a really important quality, and it hasn't gone away. So um, I think it's a it's a 50-50 shot for him winning the winning the nomination. But it's also very telling, you know, other candidates are still afraid of him. I, I want you to hear what Ron DeSantis said about that criticism. I roll out of bed. I have people attacking me from all angles. It's been happening for many, many years. And if you look at the good thing about it, though, is like if you take a crisis situation like COVID, you know, the good thing about it is when you're an elected executive, you have to make all kinds of decisions. You've got to steer that ship. And the good thing is, is that the people are able to render a judgment on that, whether they reelect you or not. And I'm happy to say, you know, in my case, not only did we win reelection, we won with the highest percentage of the vote that any Republican governor candidate has in the history of the state of Florida. So there you go. We're beginning yeah. to see sides taken. He's staffing up. What do your sources say? Well, um, they clearly, uh, you know, the DeSantis, the, 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 the public posture is totally focused on the legislative session, you know, as, as it should be. But they are, they are, everyone internally is following every syllable that Trump says about DeSantis. And I think it's fine, you know, what he said there is kind of an indirect shot at Trump, right, saying, you know, you lost and I won. Um, but once he gets in, there's no indirect anymore, you know, and he, he should have no illusions. Trump, you know, just what he seeing now from Trump is just a taste of things to come. It's and it's going to be it's going to be mortal combat. And the thing is that people know that if Trump loses, and it's you know it'll be a dogfight in every in every state. I imagine does he leave and take some people with him and mm-hmm. run as an independent? I don't see that happening personally. I don't see it. I don't see it happening either. I think in that circumstance he will he would be sour, and uh, you know he, it's not like he's going to endorse the nominee the next day. Um, but I, I don't see an independent run either. All right, uh, Rich, thanks so much. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, thanks, Brian. All right, that's Rich Lowry, National Review. When we come back, your calls, one 408 7669 So we understand the president's going to be with Kevin McCarthy. Weigh in on that. Tom Brady calls it a career at the age of 45. Well, weigh in on that. And, of course, uh, we have your comments uh, from our Facebook update. But uh, in fairness to us, we did not know Tom Brady was going to retire minutes after we were done. Brian me. Ron DeSanctimonious. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to to your your ears, ears. it's Brian Kilmeade. It came out today that the FBI searched Joe Biden's former think tank office back in mid-November, despite the administration repeatedly saying that it has been transparent about classified documents and searches. This one wasn't disclosed until now. If you ask me, the White House has been very transparent. You know, they are willing to admit to anything as soon as it comes out. This happened to Biden's think tank, you know, where he ponders the weighty questions of the world. Like, how do they get the entire model ship inside that little bottle? How do they... <laughs> so that was uh, James Corden having some fun, but sarcastic. Of, you got to be kidding me. You really think you keep saying the president takes classified information seriously. And he's been transparent. He's been just the opposite. His actions show a different story. And now this news. The FBI is currently searching President Biden's other home, his Rehoboth Beach House that he was at two weekends ago. This past weekend, Camp David. This weekend, Rehoboth. Now we find out on November 15th they went through the Biden Center office building in, with the affiliate with the University of Pennsylvania in Washington, D.C. They also went through his Wilmington house 
and they got last check 30 documents. We don't know why the FBI needs to go through Rehoboth. Why? They should have been there right away, number one. Take your time. What's the rush? Number two. Number three is, what are you finding? And why are people finding this out? Why are you not telling them? They actually put out timelines. November 2nd, it's found. November 4th or November 2nd, they contacted uh, archives. Archives contacted Department of Justice. Department of Justice uh, sent the lawyers over, uh, sent an attorney over. The Department of Justice looked through the uh, University of Pennsylvania office. So we thought, and we found out in January, being that CBS broke the story, okay? And then they go, oh, yeah. It was the FBI that went through on November 15th. Excuse me? November 15th. So one week after the election, the FBI is going through that office. What took three weeks? The FBI certainly wasn't waiting three weeks. They said they were negotiating with Donald Trump, but they were going through all the paperwork. They were going through everything. They said, I think I can keep it. He says, we think we want it. I think we can keep it. I think we want it. Here's 16 boxes. We want more. While we negotiate, lock it up, we did. Put an additional lock. I have. Let's go. Here's a subpoena. I need to see all of it. Well, the lawyers push back and say, well, we don't think you do. Raid in. With the current president of the United States, they go into his office now on the 15th of November. They went into his house in January, and now they went out on February 1st. They're going into his other house in Rehoboth. And now we wonder, what about the University of Delaware, where he has all his senator, senatorial papers which has everything in there since the 1970s, if he's already found to have these documents from his Senate days and his vice president days, what makes you think that he's clean leading up to him getting that job as vice president? So here's what his lawyer says. Just release this. Today, the president with full support and cooperation, the D- today with the president's full support and cooperation, the DOJ is conducting a planned search of his home. In Rehoboth, Delaware, under DOJ standard procedures in the interest of operational security and integrity, it thought it sought to do this work without uh, without advanced public notice, and we agreed to cooperate. And we agreed to cooperate. The search today is further step in a thorough and timely DOJ process, which we continue to fully support and facilitate. We will further inf- we will have further information at the conclusion of the search. So, what do I read into that? Under the DOJ standard procedures, in the interest of operational security and integrity, it sought to do this work without advanced public notice. So, Allison, they're saying that they went through it. They told them they were going through, but they didn't give them a heads up. Is that how you interpret this? I think so. But, I mean, didn't he go there, what, last weekend so yeah, they could look, his other, yeah. look at his other house at that point? So, I mean, would he not be cleaning things up? Well, I mean, the other thing is, do you have a shredder? With a shredder, you pretty much can't put that back together. And what it wouldn't surprise me if he had a shredder. Doesn't mean he's suspicious of anything. And if he had a shredder, what would you leave out? Uh, if he did that, though, that like I feel like crosses even another line, right? He's saying everything was not done intentionally. If you're shredding something, that's wildly intentional. But how do you put it back together? You okay, can't put up the dump. You can put you can put that together, Eric. Can you put a shredded document back together? Have you not seen movies? Right. Remember Argo? They put the passports back together. That was true. No, they're there. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
All right, from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. On Man, the, these stories are coming fast and furious, and I'll give you an update. Uh, first off, Tom Brady retired a couple hours ago. Uh, that's it. At 45 years old, the greatest, uh, uh, the greatest uh, athletic career ever. No question. It's certainly for longevity and accomplishments and MVPs and seven Super Bowl titles with two separate teams. And uh, a guy revolutionized dieting, training, uh, the way you approach the most physical game in America, outside the UFC, which one-on-one is a team sport. He was able to survive and thrive, and he looks like he could still play at 45, but said that's it. He's going to come to Fox now, I guess, by for the next 10 years and work with the number one team in the booth. So that'll be great uh, for us here. Other big news is currently the FBI is searching President Biden's Rehoboth home this one day after it was revealed on November 15th. Yeah, November 15th. They searched the Biden offices at the University of Pennsylvania with the annex being located in Washington. Just two of the stories breaking. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The 600,000 plus getaways. Do you know where they are and, and who they are? So gotaways have been a challenge from year to year, regardless of the administration. Right. Where do those gotaways go? Do you have them? Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the worst. Let the hearings begin. Oversight and judiciary take aim at the border from fentanyl to the impeachment of Mayorkas. Ready, aim, fire today on Capitol Hill. Number two. But when you're looking at a run for president, you look at two things. You first look at, does the current situation push for new leadership? Yes, we need to go in a new direction. And can I be that leader? Yes, I think I can be that leader. And that's just about her saying to Brett Baer last week she's in. It's going to be official on the 15th of February, 2024. Mr. President, you'll have some company. 45 was asked ahead of time. Tim Scott, Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence, I'm sure you'll join him, as will H.A. Hutchinson and I think Chris Christie. Number one. We now know that FBI agents, personnel, went into the Penn-Biden Center. That's the think tank where the former vice president had an office after the Obama-Biden administration. We know they conducted a search. This was previously undisclosed by the White House. And we don't know why. Well, it just, the pot thickens big time. I'm talking about, wait, what? The FBI went through the UPenn-Biden Center two months ago, and now you tell us? And you all while telling us you're being transparent and wait, then they went through Wilmington and wait. Now they went through Rehoboth. This slow walking of an investigation is the most mysterious thing you can imagine. Uh, with me right now is uh, Gerard Baker of Wall Street Journal. Gerard, you got two great columns, great topics. I'll get to them. But first, your reaction to the unfolding uh, FBI investigation of the president's Rehoboth home right now. Yeah, I mean, Brian, you know, it's like, I mean, how many more times are we going to be told, uh, you know, what what they've supposedly discovered and that he's cooperating? And then, you know, we're going to be told again, you know, days later or a week later that they're still still investigating. I mean, look, they're they're clearly they've they've handled this. First of all, they've handled it extraordinarily badly from from the start. Secondly, they've handled it in an entirely kind of politically political way. I mean, the fact that we the, the fact that those first documents were found what a week before the the midterm elections, 
Uh, we didn't find out about it until you know a news, a news organization broke the story two months later. All the time, as Biden was all the way through that, Biden was criticizing Donald Trump and saying how terrible and shocking it was that Donald Trump had these documents at Mar-a-Lago. Look, I think who knows, Brian, where, where, where you know where this is going to lead. We've got a special counsel investigating uh, both you know the former president and the current president, obviously already. Uh, we've got again more of these FBI. Um, you know, more of these FBI searches, they say they're cooperating with the FBI, say cooperating with the White House. It just seems that, you know, that, that this is a that this is this is something, as I say, that the, the, the White House doesn't seem to be able to kind of get behind it, even though it keeps trying to sort of give the impression that actually there's nothing here. But Biden himself said, you know, there's no there there. You know, I'm, I'm, I have no regrets, all this kind of stuff. And yet we still keep learning that, that there's that there's more investigations, that there's more examination of, uh, of what's been going on. I think it's been, you know, it's been a disastrous month, actually, for Joe Biden. So now, the yeah. first month of the year was just disastrous for him. So let's just think, Jerry, from what we know. It takes two weeks to go actually through the UPenn offices where they found classified documents. And then let's wait. Think about what we know. When it becomes uh, apparent they're out there, one week later in January, they go through the Wilmington house. After yeah. he had been there the last weekend, find stuff yeah. in the most, uh, most embarrassing place possible in his garage by his Corvette. And then they yeah. find more inside. Okay, wait two weeks, goes to Camp David. He was in Rehoboth when they were raiding Wilmington. I would say going through searching Wilmington. Then he goes last week to Camp David. And this week they go to Rehoboth. Right now they're going through the house. What I also think is significant is when they pulled out the notes from the house. Here's what Jonathan Turley just said on the channel. There has been no indication that they're going to the University of Delaware. I mean, the University of Delaware is sitting on an enormous trove of documents from uh, the president's period as a senator. We already know that he did have some classified material that apparently he removed from the Senate uh, that was located in, in, in one of his residences. Uh, there's been no discussion about looking at this massive amount of material. It's sort of like fishing in a swimming pool next to an ocean. I mean, it, the, 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 the number of documents uh, at the University of Delaware really are staggering. And what concerns us is that the Bidens essentially turned the University of Delaware into a giant lockbox uh, to keep people from seeing his papers, including possible uh, papers dealing mm -hmm. with the allegations of sexual harassment. But now there's serious questions about classified material, and there's no indication the FBI has gone there yet. Yeah, the FBI could probably give them another three weeks notice and then show up. Yeah, there is exactly. It, there does seem to be again a double standard here in the way that uh, President, former President Trump has treated and form, and President President Biden's been treated. Look, uh, President Trump. From what we know about President Trump, uh, it does look as though there wasn't, you know, that that you know he didn't give all the cooperation he should have done. But at the same time, you know, the, the, the underlying issue is the same. Look, Brian, I think the thing I want to know is kind of the Jonathan Turley hints at this uh, with the stuff about what may be the University of Delaware. The thing, what we really want to know is what, you know, what are these documents and why was he taking them away? I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, again, there's all kinds of questions related to, especially when he was vice president and, you know, his role in, as a, as a uh, you know, he had a particular foreign policy portfolio. He was dealing with countries like, you know, in Eastern Europe, like Ukraine. He was dealing with China. What I mean, you know, there, there may be a perfectly innocent explanation, as some people have suggested, that he wanted to take these documents away because he was writing, you know, he was writing his memoir. 
But maybe there's, there isn't a completely innocent document. There's so many of these documents that there isn't a completely innocent uh, explanation. Maybe it's because he actually wanted – maybe there's stuff there that he did want to hide. So, look, we're going to have to wait and see where this material comes out. I think, unfortunately, right now, the level of trust in our institutions is so low, and in particular, including in this you – know, conceivably in this special counsel who may be investigating Biden, that we are – that I think people have a legitimate concern that we won't learn what those documents are and why he was carrying – why he was taking them away. But, you know, there's a lot there, Brian, and the more we learn, frankly, the murkier it looks. So if you're just tuning in right now, the FBI is searching President Biden's Rehoboth home. And the statement – I'll just give you a portion of it that his attorney wrote – uh, today, the president, with full support and cooperation, the DOJ is conducting a planned search of his home in Delaware, Rehoboth. Under DOJ standard procedures, in the interest of operational security and integrity, it sought to do this work without advanced public notice, and we agreed to cooperate. The search today is a further step in a thorough and timely DOJ process that will continue to have fully support. So if you give them enough notice, they will totally cooperate. So it nullifies the issue, but you just wonder with those hand notes that they also pulled out what they have to do with it, and if they are classified information that you're copying over by hand. The other story is what does – go ahead, Jerry. No, no. I was going to say. So, I mean, if you remember, in um, in one of the one of the one of the searches, they referred to what were kind of referred to as items. Uh, they didn't say documents, which they said items, which contained several documents. Now that sounds to me like possibly, you know, a laptop or some other electronic material, or, you know, um, you know, a flash drive or something like that, which maybe has it. Now that's and that raises you know a lot of questions again about what you know what, why. Why the former vice president was taking these materials away? What was he doing? You know, what was on those? What, what was on those devices or whatever? Whatever it was, those items that were found. It, you know, it's it, it just it, 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 as much as as wrong as it clearly is that, that to take these documents away, as suspiciously as to be honest with you, as the way they've handled it is. And as you keep pointing out, you know, he keeps getting you know the the, the cooperation of the FBI, and he keeps you know they, they they keep giving them plenty of notice to find these documents. It is. We really do want to know what's on what's on those documents, what's in those items, and I think you know that's that's going to be potentially very potentially the most important story of all. The other breaking story is the an Iranian illegal immigrant was arrested in the Texas deep by the Texas DPS. It's revealed that he is on the FBI terrorist watch list. You know the FBI has put a bounty on the head of Mike Pompeo and John Bolton and others, and now they find a terrorist being smuggled across the border. Uh, and they have actually detained him. But do you really think we got the only terrorist? We already know there was uh, there was something about 28 found this year already, uh, much surpassing the previous highs. Yeah, this is very disturbing. I mean, look, we, we as you say, who is surprised uh, by this? Disturbed? Who is surprised? I mean, we know that there were what more? Well, a couple of million. Um, people who came across, you know, they said, I think the, the uh, border authorities described it as encounters. A couple of million people we know about who come across, who come across the border. Um, you know, some of them have been apprehended, some of them haven't. We must know there must there, there are probably tens of thousands of people, you know, uh, who, who we know nothing about. For hundreds of thousands of people we know nothing about. But what are the odds that that they are that, that some of these are going to be terrorists? Look, I mean, you're absolutely right. There is. They have put a bounty on the head of, uh, of of some of these former former officials. We do know they must, and they look. The rest of the world is looking at that southern border and thinking, 
wow, that's an easy way into the United States. So I don't have to risk, you know, if I'm if I'm if I'm planning a terrorist act, I don't have to risk going through a visa application and you know going arriving legally. I can just walk across the border. So yeah, it's 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 extremely disturbing. And how many people are already here? How many of those illegal those people who cross the border illegally are planning to do whether it's terrorism or crime or violent other forms of violent crime? It's a very very disturbing. It just goes to show how irresponsible. Um, the administration's policy has been towards the border. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you talk about, too, in one of your columns, uh, this one last week, the Davos crowd. They see a new dawn. They see great hope. I saw a meltdown by the former Vice President Gore, and I saw a lot of people uh, really turned off by what they saw over there, a big push on global warming. When we have a, a looming world Europe, a world war uh, on the cusp, and we are not ready to make that transition to this so-called um, – uh, zero, uh, a net zero world. We're not ready yet. People are tired, uh, Brian, and I wrote this last week, people are just being tired of being lectured to by these global elites. You know, they're tired. Um, first of all, the hypocrisy is just outrageous. You know, they turn up in Davos, tell us all about global warming. They arrive there in their private jets and on their 500, private helicopters. 500, and huge yep. limousines. You know, I mean, there's, there's the hypocrisy. But more important than the hypocrisy is the very idea that these people, you know, this, this, this is why we've had this populist, so-called populist backlash in the last 10 years around the world, not just in the United States, but in Europe and elsewhere too. Because people are just, people just, you know, it's, 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 it's we have, we, have been, we, have, we have been ruled for the last 20 years or so by a kind of technocratic elite of authoritarians who want to pursue their own agenda on climate, on gender, on changing the way we you know, view ourselves, on uh, immigration, open borders, all of that kind of stuff. They've been telling us we have to – we have to. this is what we have to do. We just have to like it because this is in the interest of the global, of the, of the, of the global economy. And people are pushing back against it. And, and, they, you know, they, and, and again, what was so striking in Davos was they still don't really get it. They still don't understand why people are pushing back against their attempt to control and tell everybody how they should be living their lives. Right. Absolutely. So, uh, Jared Baker, uh, Gerard Baker, thanks so much. Wall Street Journal, thanks for responding to the breaking news that the president's house thanks, is being Brian. searched. Uh, it's pretty extraordinary. Uh, thanks so much, Jerry Baker. When we come back, I'll open up the phones, one 408 Bottom of the hour, the great Emily Campagna will be joining us. I believe she's going to be at our number today, too? All right, so it's just going to be, oh, yeah, we'll be able to keep her for the rest of the half hour. Uh, you listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, a myriad of stories, including the retirement of Tom Brady at the age of 45. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. They got put on their back feet by the CBS report, and they've been scrambling ever since because none of this makes sense. And what particularly doesn't make sense is the fact that the Justice Department early on green-lighted the idea that Biden lawyers who do not have security clearances could conduct these searches at the Biden residences in Delaware. And what we've now seen is those searches were not only incompetently done because the Bureau found additional documents in the Wilmington residence after those searches took place, but basically they were greenlighting having people without security clearances look for classified documents that they were not authorized to see which is virtually what Biden is under investigation for. So that is Andy McCarthy doing some instant analysis on the ongoing search of President Biden's Rehoboth home. Remember, he was there two weeks ago, last week in Camp David. When they were in Wilmington, he was in Rehoboth. 
Now we find out the FBI rated, not rated, but searched on, on, to the, on the 15th of November, his office, at which time we got about 30 documents he should not have and surrounding documents, including notes, daily planners, and schedules. So that could show that he recopied classified information. And then on top of this, now I don't want to get too ahead of this and we get too conspiratorial, but there is some communication, an email between Devin Archer and Hunter Biden, which shows an astute knowledge of Eastern Europe, Ukraine, oligarchs, and Russia, and a possible deal for $55,000 where he would provide information to Russian oligarchs about Ukraine. Really? Where'd you get all this information? Was it from your dad's vice presidential daily brief, perhaps? Listen to the Daily Mail's Josh Boswell, cut nine. Cut six. This is an issue that comes up again and again with Hunter's business dealings, um, both in the U.S. and with uh, foreign businesses as well and foreign countries. Um, He's selling this level of expertise, this level of information that it it appears he doesn't have. He's not a top energy expert. He's not someone who should normally have access to all of the inner workings of these uh, Putin-linked oligarchs. And yet he's here pitching this U.S. company uh, this kind of uh, very detailed uh, access and information. Uh, When you put that together with the fact that he was living in the house where classified documents were found that Joe Biden had whilst he was vice president, you've got to ask the question, did Hunter have access to any of that class of restricted information? And was he trying to sell that to a U.S. or foreign company? Look at Miranda Devine's column. It looks very sophisticated to Devin Archer. It's a pullout from a laptop from hell. So it's worth it going through that laptop. I don't think we're allowed, right, Allison? Uh, there's some stuff on there that if you look at it, I think you can be implemented in something ugly. Um, but uh, some people are looking through it and trying to mix and match. Uh, right now, the president's having his house search. We'll review that. Tom Brady's retired. We'll put, try to put that in perspective. And also, welcome in Emily Campagno shortly. She's going to be hosting out number a little bit later. We need her legal expertise as well. Thanks so much for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Uh, Emily Campagno's here getting set to do outnumbered. We're all watching the first oversight hearing with James Comer in charge. I'm sure the nerves are there. They're going to be focusing on uh, the COVID fraud in first time. And there's a lot of it. I think $5.8 billion just missing. Not here. All the money that was handed out, people from other countries getting it. And now they want to continue it. Emily, great to see you. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much, Kilmeade. You know, I was on there actually hosting Outnumbered when I got the alert that my information had been fraudulently obtained and a false, you know, COVID recipient account had been set up in the state of Washington. So the amount of waste, fraud and abuse on the part of the government is honestly too big to even emphasize, um, but on on behalf of the private citizenry as well. And think about how much more taxpayer dollars we will now be on the hook for to combat, assess, identify, and prosecute all of that fraud and abuse. I mean, think about this. They told 80% of the workforce to go home, stay away from each other, and we'll pay you. 
will keep businesses going. And one of the people I used to, you just reminded me, me and my wife had uh, people try to file for unemployment in our name. Remember, they gave a whole bunch of money, states, to, for unemployment to get paid. And they said, don't worry about it. Uh, we got it handled. But I just want to tell you, did you apply for unemployment? We clicked no because people are doing it. So they were trying to – other countries, that's what really kills me too. Totally. And, you know, keep in mind how much the small businesses, not only, so they were getting these grants, but at the same time, they were being told to, to comply with certain regulations and rules that were super constricting, so expensive. And then they were told by respective governors, especially the blue ones, for example, on the left coast, uh, that they couldn't stay open, that they had to have these certain restrictions. So they were hemorrhaging income. They were incurring massive costs. And then remember, there were qualifies to those grants. So while half of the recipients were absolutely undeserving for the reasons we've just mentioned, Another half that were deserving were automatically disqualified for, for reasons like prior felony convictions, when so many of the felony convictions have nothing to do with running a business, right? They're, they're, they've paid their dues, right? They, they've served their time. They've started a business. These are veterans. These are hardworking yeah. Americans. And yet they were prevented from doing that. Yeah. And just on that note, what drives me crazy, too, is that the people that decided, the nurses and the uh, firefighters and the cops, they got fired because they wouldn't get the shot. Oh. Did it with – they wouldn't give them unemployment and still to this day. Totally. So they asked them to go work through the pandemic, people banging pots and pans to salute them. And then they fire them and don't give them unemployment so they have to sue. Hopefully they lose. So you have the legal background and you're going to be talking about this on the couch in 90 minutes. But first off, your reaction to the fact is the FBI – Yeah, I thought we had a big story. It was one of my big three. was November 15th. The FBI went through his office at the Biden Senate. What? You had all this time to tell us. You'd said you were being transparent and you never told us. Number two, today, right now, Rehoboth Home being searched by the FBI. What does this tell you? Looking for documents and supporting material. Well, the, my first takeaway is it tells me that this president is being treated with kid gloves by the government that our tax dollars supports. So first of all, when you talk about that delay in time, remember uh, when, when former Vice President Pence announced he had found a document at his home the next day. The DOJ demanded those papers were turned over. President Biden enjoyed 72 days, not only of privacy from the American public on that, but also of, of a stay, essentially, from the Justice Department. And remember that he chalked it up, he meaning the president, to, oh, my lawyers told me this. He chalked it up to a division between his, quote, PR team and his attorney team. We, the American citizens, pay his salary. So not only do we deserve transparency, but that right. that fourth estate of the press and serving the American public, that's embedded in the Constitution. So the fact that he doesn't get that is unfortunate, um, and Americans deserve better. And then the point about the Rehoboth home and the, the search today tells me that there's a lot more to be uncovered, obviously. And secondly, that remember the qualifier that's being put out there in the press, the mainstream media, which is that, well, it's with his permission. Because 99.999% of Americans, including those in government services, that have undergone these type of searches didn't enjoy being to get able to give permission. Remember Roger to Stone? The, exactly. Hold out. They, Six a.m. House. Get out of here. Right. Exactly. Exactly. The, the the pro-life activist, the father of multiple kids who had guns drawn on him. The FBI search. You think you think he gave permission for that? So to me, again, this belies the rules for thee and not for me, and the fact that this president um, is an unfortunate representative of but, any type of law and order. So the thing is, Emily, too, it's not like they're going through the house and coming out with nothing. They keep going through his residence <laughs> and his offices and pulling out documents. You wonder 
what did what was taken away because he's one home ahead. Remember, he was in Wilmington when they were at his office. He goes to Rehoboth when they go through Wilmington. And then he goes to Camp David, and now they go to Rehoboth. So what tell – I mean, at some point he's going to open up his briefcase and said, let me take these with me, don't you think? It's like the derelict Jason Bourne, right, where we're just watching from A to B to C to D. You are correct. You know, I've talked to people who have been working with his administration for quite some time, and they all tell me that, you know, this is – unfortunate, I mean, it sounds laughable, but that this is part and parcel to who he is, that he's always had, frankly, a fully disrespectful and cavalier approach to classified documents, that he would have passwords taped up on the side of his office. Is that true? It is. On the side of even rooms that were not his office. So the shocking thing to me, and again, the unfortunate thing that Americans deserve better about, is that this has been enabled throughout his time as senator, throughout his time as vice president, and clearly now his time as president. He's been allowed somehow to have this cavalier Cavalier, absent-minded right. approach to nation's security and the nation's secret. So to your point, I don't know how many other boxes they're going to pull out, but uh, we'll see if there's any nuclear codes in there. I'm getting reports, too. We worked together Monday, and that's why you insisted on doing the radio show today. There was so much. You had so much <laughs> hey, fun. Is invited. that true? Oh, okay. I got to look into that. I need another source. Hey, here is uh, Eric. Eric pulled down because Andy McCarthy just spoke to this breaking news about the President of the United States having another one of his homes searched. They got put on their back feet by the CBS report, and they've been scrambling ever since because none of this makes sense. And what particularly doesn't make sense is the fact that the Justice Department early on greenlighted the idea that Biden lawyers who do not have security clearances could conduct these searches at the Biden residences in Delaware. And what we've now seen is those searches were not only incompetently done— because the Bureau found additional documents in the Wilmington residence after those searches took place. But basically, they were greenlighting having people without security clearances look for classified documents that they were not authorized to see, which is virtually what Biden is under investigation for. So that's his instant analysis. And Emily, before you answer, for people out here listening, saying, well, Joe Biden's a president, all these other people, the former vice president, the president, uh, the former president, that's different. No, it isn't different. Remember, the president was president for like a month and they were in Michael Cohen's office to find information, I think, on maybe Russia or Stormy Daniels. That was an emergency that you had to raid the president's lawyer's office, ransack it, eventually flip him. And he's been testifying for six years ever since. The additional um, horror of that, Kilmeade, is the fact that when you raid an attorney's office, you know, that's supposed to be considered sacrosanct in that it represents the criminal justice system and it represents the rule of law. Meaning, remember, it resulted in an additional lawsuit where they were trying to claw back all of these attorney privileged documents. The government had such an upper hand. They essentially went in there, seized everything. Again, remember that the warrants have to be described with particularity and specificity, but those guys grabbed everything. And then meanwhile, the president is saying, look, these are subject to attorney client privilege. If evidence is thrown out of criminal court, if convictions are thrown out of court because procedures aren't followed, why here is it so easy and simple to just destroy all of the structure here with president Biden? Oh, their, their clearances don't matter. They can have the attorney search. They can have these guys handle this classified material for 72 days before the DOJ steps in. That's what I'm talking about, about this cavalier attitude, this completely separate, isolated situation that involves president Biden, that any other citizen and clearly any other president would not have 
have enjoyed. So this other story. So the president of the United States uh, has Alvin Bragg looking more into Stormy Daniels to see if the president reimbursed Michael Cohen for paying off Stormy Daniels for to not come forward with their allegations that they had an affair. So they're going to they feel as though with everything going on in New York, with the armed robberies, with the subway attacks, with crime out of control, with the illegal immigrants overflowing in hotels and protesting outside uh, the Brooklyn Terminal, the Letitia James now wants to see not only the Michael Cohen thing, she plans to seek court sanctions against Trump in her civil fraud lawsuit. She wants two hundred and fifty million dollars for uh, for defrauding the state out of taxes. How ridiculous is that? This is total targeting. It's total. I cannot think of a worse use of our tax dollars. And here's why this is such a gut-wrenching. Going after the kids, too. Totally. It's such an abomination. It's such an abdication of actual governance. So so here's the here's a 30,000 view here. This state has been run into the ground by overspending bloated Democrats that take tax dollars that view $1 of a private citizen's income as a lost dollar for the government. They've taken, destroyed this economy, destroyed the state, seen the the largest right. tax base flee as a result. They've shut down businesses. They've increased crime. They've, they've created reclassifications of misdemeanors and felonies and bail enhancements and tied judges' hands together so that even existing here as a citizen is twice as expensive as it ever was with half the value of the dollar and it's less safe than it's ever been. And in that landscape, they decide, hmm, how can we get back some income? Oh, let's let's take the one of the wealthiest former residents and let's try to claw that back. So I see their, their witch hunt of him to get back that $250 million as simply a symptom of the fact that the state is broke. Right. It's broke on morals and it's broke on finances. They went through his uh, taxes. They can't find anything bad. Uh, number two, this is total politically targeting. I think you're giving him too much credit, Emily, in saying they want money. What they want is be famous. The attorney general wants to make a national name for itself by going after the former president. And to me, anybody who is a developer, anybody that might have conservative views, why would you possibly do business in this state? In a state that lost more millionaires, which is more tax dollars than any other state, including California, now you go after and politically to obviously politically target the former president of the United States. Listen, he gave uh, the last uh, the look. You, you revealed his taxes, which is a breach of privacy for no reason. Now you're going to go after him. You, you beat him in court. He, he's owned one point seven million dollars. That's for us. It's a dollar seventy. And now you're going to continue to go after him. And Alvin Bragg's going to go after the Stormy Daniels situation. So to me, this is this to me is really scary. It's using the law against a political opponent. Right. And not only was it a breach of privacy, it, it was downright illegal. Keep in mind for, for viewers and listeners here that this is just the, the latest in a succession, a succession of lawsuits and criminal investigations that the president has endured since the first moment he even declared running for presidency. So this didn't surprise me because it's the notion of reloading. All they are doing is reloading and reloading with our tax dollars to try to, to your point, vindicate themselves. Like someone wants to stand atop the proverbial beast with a sword and say, I did it. It's Letitia James. I did it. I did it. I got it. Whether it's CNN, whoever it is, a Spartacus moment, it's the ridiculous clamorings from the left that have identified as their worst enemy, a former president who did more for this country than anyone could ever imagine in that sitting in a blue pile right now. 
when instead everyone in this state is rotting, to your point. They are rotting, they are sitting in fear, and they are the ones who can't afford to leave. By the way, that's who I feel most sorry for because they're the ones that don't have the option of going to amazing sunny Florida right. or fantastic right. Tennessee. <laughs> when we come back, we'll find out what's happening in the Judiciary Committee. Jim Jordan is laying out what he's going to be doing. Also, we find out that James Comer is looking into COVID fraud and abuse. So uh, we are ready to go. The House is in Republican hands. Let's see what we can get done as a country, because there's some moderate Democrats who seem to want to go across the aisle in some cases. Maybe this one. Don't move. Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Kilmead coming up. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. If you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year, so... Uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. So in a day in which they're in the president's second home, uh, the FBI is, uh, looking for classified documents, you would assume, Kind of historic on a day in which it's been confirmed by Bill Malusian and the FBI that we found a Iranian uh, Iranian at the border on the uh, on the terrorist watch list. Now we have this news. Tom Brady, short time ago, just went out on the beach, uh, got his iPhone and for 42 seconds official retired. I think it was about at 8.15 a.m. this morning, Eastern Time. Emily Campagno getting set to host Outnumbered in about an hour. Uh, your reactions. I'm surprised by this. Are you? I was surprised. Yes, because yes, because it seems um, not only have we gone through this back and forth now multiple times, but it seemed clear, uh, given what we understood of his personal life, that part of the issue was that he would not retire, that he was committed to staying in um, for quite some time. And we understood, given his physicality and health, that he could, in fact, perform at an elite level still. Um, Obviously, there were rumors he'd be going to 49ers, Raiders, uh, there were teams that were had been sort of discarded. So I think, yes, this came as a shock to all of us. Almost an anticlimactic one. Like, wait, you are? I, th- I thought I, I thought there was more, right? So um, I wonder what precipitated that. Obviously, we'll learn more in the days to come. We know the Vanity Fair is doing the first interview with Giselle to talk about her side of the story on the breakup. I wonder if that played a role. Does he feel like, I just going to make this decision so if I make it again, it's not going to be because of what she said. I'm going to do it ahead of what she had to say. And I could not believe, usually when you hear these stories, you don't go, Brian, that is not the story. That's what the media thinks. But it turns out that seems to have been the story. He came out of retirement. She said, I'm tired of putting my career on hold. And they were divorced in weeks, which I've, I've never heard of such a quick divorce. I, my personal take 
my personal take is that it was the straw that broke the camel's back because as you know you know when you're when you're in committed relationships and and marriages and and whatnot there's a constellation of factors that go into a healthy relationship and so it seems to me that for something so seemingly strong to all of a sudden overnight to your point dissolve yeah. means that those were strained stressed areas and you know having a, a professional athlete um, existence as a as a supporting partner um, that's similar to a life of public service, right? You know, anytime you have a position, um, I think that's sort of unique. Yeah. And it's a certain toll and a certain stress and a certain identity of the family. So that's something that each family has to undertake their own analysis of whether it's healthy or not. Again, and Emily, were you were you with an NFL team? Yes, I cheered for the Oakland Raiders, the so then you, Oakland Raiders. But the Oakland Raiders. Were you there during the whole controversy with the Tuck Rule? Oh. You guys, thank you for bringing that up because I would like to say anyone listening or watching that has not yet seen the new 30 for 30 on the tuck rule, please watch it, especially in light of Tom Brady's announced yeah. retirement. Well, I think he's, it, had re, he's had some controversy. He's it, had shows, this, it gives you a glimpse of the kind of guy, the, the kind of player he is and the it, kind of, of favor that the officials have been extended toward right. him for multiple years. 45 years old, retires the best quarterback ever. Emily will watch you in an hour. <laughs> Yes, please. Watch me in an hour on the outnumbered couch um, on Fox News. It'll right. be great. You'll be center left. Yeah. Stage left. Yes. Stage left. Thanks for joining the Brian Kilmeade Show, Emily. Thanks, guys. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm the guy, Brian Kilmeade. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, around the world. Where if you listen close, you put your head to the radio, you can hear the illegal immigrants uh, complaining about their conditions. I'm not kidding. Uh, incredible story covering the New York Post. Uh, these ingrates over the last two or three days saying they don't want to move to the Brooklyn Yard because they feel as though it's all guys and it's too far away from everything. Really, you're staying for free. You get a flat screen. You get ping pong. You get a place to sleep. You get free hot showers, three meals a day, free health care. And it's not good enough. And you stuck into our, to our country. Amazing. We're also following this breaking news story that the president of the United States is having his Rehoboth Beach house um, searched. I was going to say shaken down. Uh, searched right now. And they gave a lot of notice to it. I'm going to talk to Senator Rick Scott about that. Mike Allen, uh, special assistant to the uh, former special assistant to the president of the United States, George W. Bush, National Security Council, former majority staff director of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. We're going to talk about the latest on Ukraine. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The 600,000 plus getaways. Do you know where they are and and who they are? So getaways have been a challenge from year to year, regardless of the administration. Really? The getaways are a challenge? Incredible. Uh, Let the hearings begin. Oversight and judiciary are taking aim at the border. They're taking aim at fentanyl, taking air at impeaching Mayorkas, as well as COVID abuse. We'll discuss it all. Number two. But when you're looking at a run for president, you look at two things. You first look at, does the current situation push for new leadership? Yes, we need to go in a new direction. And can I be that leader? Yes, I think I can be that leader. How intriguing is that? Uh, 2024, Mr. Former President, you have some company. Nikki Haley about to jump in the GOP race. Uh, 45 is going to get more company. Could it be Tim Scott? Could it be Rick Scott? Could it be Mike Pompeo? Could it be Mike Pence? 
Number one. We now know that FBI agents personnel went into the Penn Biden Center. That's the think tank where the former vice president had an office after the Obama Biden administration. We know they conducted a search. This was previously undisclosed by the White House. And we don't know why. Uh, We don't know why. And we thought that was big news. But now we got bigger news. First off on that, the UPenn Biden Center searched November 15th. Really? No helicopters, no SUV caravan, no armed guards on the outside, just a knock on the door, a look through two weeks after paperwork was discovered, and we keep it top secret till CBS found out about it. Uh, This is not even a double standard. It's no standard. Joining me now to get some instant reaction on this breaking news, along with an Iranian uh, captured at the border on the terror watch list, Senator Rick Scott. Uh, Senator, welcome back. Brian, you know, this makes you mad that there, you know, you're right, there's no standard, but there's a clear double standard. So with with Trump, they go in guns a-blazing, right? And with with Biden, they they don't tell anybody what they're doing. They give everybody plenty of notice. I mean, it's it's like, of course, he wouldn't have done anything wrong. And and they act like, well, this is just inadvertent. I don't actually, I don't know how Biden could have gotten documents in the Senate because – we get it. We see them. I see classified documents. It's marked classified. Uh, you're in a classified setting. You sign them in. You sign them out. Right. So I don't know how he could have ended up with them anyway. I mean, I don't get how he was able to get it when other people. I, I don't. I don't. I don't have any classified documents in my office. Senator, I, I would hope not. And when he was senator, he did because they found some. Yeah. So I mean, it doesn't make any. It doesn't. And they make gave any him three weeks notice. Could have done it. They gave him three months notice. Because, they, you know, they first discovered documents November 2nd. I still don't know why they would send a lawyer to look for him. So let's just say that's unanswered. Then we find out yesterday, November 15th, the FBI went in. Why would they not tell us that? You can't even say that you never asked because they gave us a timeline. That was not there. You know, I don't get the FBI. I don't get why Christopher Ray is it just he's just a black hole. They don't tell us what they're doing. I, I've told the FBI, I've told the FBI and DOJ, I am pro law enforcement. But you have when you work for the American public, which means you have to tell people what you're doing and why you're doing it. Why did you raid Mar-a-Lago? What was your what what why did you do it and what did you get? Why did, why you know why are you treating Biden differently uh, than than you treated Trump? Tell us. There might be a logical reason. I said, when you don't, people think the worst. I said, you can't right. keep doing this. You're a black hole of information. You can't do that. You work for the American public. So the president of the United States says there's no there there, and I have no regrets. So Kate Benningfield goes out on CNN. She thinks it's going to be a friendly interview. She keeps saying that, well, we didn't know we've been transparent and we've been cooperative. But listen to the follow-up question. Cut to. If you are indeed being transparent... Why the continued trickle of disclosure around these classified documents? We have released multiple statements from the White House, and President Biden's personal attorney has released multiple statements over the last month uh, walking through the process and agreeing to be fully, fully cooperative with the Justice Department. Maybe they're being cooperative because they gave them a two-month heads up, but they still didn't stop them from finding paperwork in his garage, in his house. Uh, in his office, and we don't know what they're going to find at Rehoboth. But one goes to think, Rick, if Senator Rick Scott, but if it was really bad, they would have taken it out last two weeks ago when they were there. Right. I mean, I, it just it's, it. Every time I I, t- I talk to them, I tell them I don't give why you guys just don't 
put out all the information. You know, that's one thing you learn in law enforcement. Good law enforcement educates the public about exactly what they're doing so they bring people along so they don't surprise people. The Department of Justice and FBI are not doing that, and I don't get it. I mean, I want to be supportive of law enforcement. All right, I have nothing. To, I have no reason to say I, I, you know, I don't support Christopher Ray or don't support the Department of Justice. But when you don't tell people information, I have, I have the people in Florida. They say to me, "Can't you get more information from them?" And I ask, and everything is a. You're right. Everything is a trickle. The White House doesn't want to tell you, and they they think. Here's what I think they think. They think if they just do it slowly, it'll all go away. There'll be some other problem, and nobody will focus on this. So fine to go after Trump, but golly, don't go after Biden because you know he's a Democrat. Well, I, I want to. Uh, there's so much I want to get to, but Boris Johnson was in New York uh, talking to uh, Brett Baer, trying to make sure there's still support from Ukraine. I want to get where you stand, but I do want to hear. I do want you to hear what he had to say about what worries him most. Cut twenty three. So I was back in Ukraine just a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, the situation's a bit better in, in Kyiv, uh, but I saw the devastation around that city, the, the, the lives ruined, the totally destroyed apartment blocks, and that's nothing compared to what's happening uh, in the areas that Putin is still attacking. And so the, the message I really have, Brett, for, for you, for all our, our viewers, is this is not the moment to delay any support for Ukraine. Uh, this is the moment to double down on our support, give them what they need, whether it's the, the tanks or the, the long-range artillery fires. They need to kick Putin out of the whole of the territory. So, so he goes on. I, that's how I feel. Uh, I feel if you're going to give it to him, give it to him now. It's harder and harder to go back to you guys and ask for more and more money. And I know the Republicans are beginning to fracture. Where does Senator Rick Scott stand? So I, I met with Boris Johnson yesterday, and, and here's my view of this. We, we've got to do everything we can to help Ukraine. Their men and women are fighting. They're defending freedom. Um, they're making sure that, you know, that Putin's not invading a NATO country. Now, here's what has to happen. Every NATO country has to do their part. Germany has to do their part. We've got to make sure we know exactly where all the money goes. We cannot have any fraud, any corruption, anything like that. And so the, you know, the Ukrainians have to be very clear and make sure nothing, they're not wasting, you know, there's no corruption. Uh, so I, I want to support them. I don't want men, our American men and women at, at war uh, in Poland or another NATO country. So I, I'm, I want to support Ukraine. But every, every NATO country and every peace-loving country in the world has got to do their part. Germany, show up. Germany needs to show up and do their part. Absolutely. And we have to give more than 30 tanks. And since we only only have 30 tanks, we've got to make them first. Uh, what are we talking right. about? The Marines gave up all their tanks. Where are the extra tanks? I mean, what, what do you mean we've we got to construct them first? How does that happen? It, 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 what, everything that Biden has done, it doesn't make sense. Everything they've done, they've done slowly. You're on armed Why services, you, Senator. What you want to do is you want to Aren't go you on win. armed services? Let's don't don't they have to answer you? Where are the tanks? Well, we yeah, they're supposed they're supposed to. I'm on armed services. We're supposed to get, we're supposed to get good answers. We get you know we get classified briefings. But just remember, here's what bothers you. This is the same group that's given us briefing that said that that the Ukrainians couldn't last just but a few days. So it, it scares you about the information we get we get back from them. So 
You constantly you constantly ask for information. You constantly push, but it, everything that appears is the Biden administration is very slow at helping helping Ukraine. Uh, but on top of that, they they have got they've got to be the leader of the free world. Biden Biden's the leader of the free world. He's got to get on the phone. He's got to make sure that all freedom loving countries do their part, and that means Germany's got to start showing up and doing their part. We've got to do our part. Our military complex has got to do their part, uh, but. Uh, because I don't want to have to go to war. I don't want to have to be at war uh, with Russia uh, in a NATO country. We we have a treaty. We will defend these countries, uh, and we've got a lot of men and women in Europe right now. So, but everybody's got to show up and do it as quickly as they can. Make sure Russia loses as quickly as they can. All right. So, Senator Rick Scott, our guest. Senator, you're also on the Budget Committee, as you know. The Speaker of the House now in the majority. Uh, in the House of Representatives, goes to meet with the president about raising the debt ceiling. You know he's under pressure, and personally he does want to get some type of spending cuts in exchange for raising the debt ceiling. We also know that Joe Manchin agrees with McCarthy. He wants to do a deal. We also know that the moderate group of House Democrats are offering to help McCartney on the debt ceiling. He said They said they're urging him to, uh, in good faith, negotiate, and they are open to cuts. This is some—I mean, I'm willing to be— play naive. But why did they go out of their way to sign their name on a document that says they're looking to help on cutting spending to get us somewhat fiscally responsible during this time? Do you get the sense that anybody else realizes this is a possibility of doing something responsible? Well, Schumer clearly doesn't. He just talked about who's going to win. He, he, he wants to just win. I mean, think about here's what we have to all think about here. This is a today problem. This is not a, oh, let's worry about our kids and our grandkids problem. The left, there's a big government crowd out there that makes a fortune off of government. Wall Street, they've figured out how to get us in this spend, tax, more debt problem. And if you dare are the one that says, you know, you've got to slow down, but you can't keep doing this. But Brian, look at this. We've taken the outlays of this country, I think, from four, from under – it's about $4.4 trillion. That's our expenses in 2019. To this year, it's going to be over $6 trillion. Why? We're past COVID. So here's what's going on. If you say we got to stop doing this, they say, oh, the world's going to fall apart. You're going to have plagues that Moses would flinch at. We're going to have you know, locusts, frogs, everything. No. we can, Everybody that balances their budget, I did as governor of Florida, I balanced the budget. I stopped borrowing money. I paid down debt. Guess what? The economy grows. So when you see, when you go to the grocery store and you see gas prices, or gas issue, gas prices, grocery store, eggs and food, all this stuff, what, you're, what you have to say to yourself is, well, at least those fat cats in D.C., those bureaucrats are making a lot of money. Wall Street's making a lot of money. Richer getting richer. And the poor, they're sitting here struggling to make ends meet. Their wages are not standing up with inflation, and it's causing inflation, high mortgage rates, high prices on our, our credit cards, all these things because your Congress will not live within its means. We have got right. to do something here. So um, it looks like Nikki Haley is going to be running in twenty. 20- uh, 24. Here's what she told Brett uh, a short time ago when she was asked about whether she had some plans. This is January 19th, cut 10. But when you're looking at a run for president, you look at two things. You first look at, does the current situation push for new leadership? The second question is, am I that person that could be that new leader? Yes, we need to go in a new direction. And can I be that leader? Yes, I think I can be that leader. Do you think so, too? 
Well, we're going to see. There's going to be a lot of people that get into this race. Um, we're, you know, my, my view of the world is let's listen. Let's listen to everybody's ideas. Um, you know, we, we, have, we know that if uh, President Trump was president right now, the border would have been secure. We wouldn't have this inflation. We wouldn't have these gas prices. So I, everybody's going to get in. I want to hear what they're, I, I hear what they're going to do to make this a better economy, better education, safer, um, safer country, and safer world. That's what I care about. What about you, uh, Senator Scott? People are talking about you running for president. Are you thinking about it? I'm focused on my Senate race. I, I'm, I'm up in uh, 24 in my Senate race, and I'm working every day to make sure uh, that, that I, uh, I win next year in my Senate race. So you like the Senate enough. I know you like being governor. It seemed like you like my opinion. It seemed like you like being governor more. Do you like the Senate enough to stick it out and do it another six years? I'm, I, I'm I absolutely. I'm running for the city again. Look, I, I, I'm very optimistic about this country. I've got. I'm working on how do we fix our our debt problem? How do we get our fiscal house in order? How do we make sure we have the strongest military there is? I mean, I'm I'm going to keep figuring this out. Uh, we now have Iranians, as you know, Mitch McConnell to be the, the the leader of the Republican Senate. We now have a group of us working together to actually do the things to stop caving into the Democrats. We're going to get our fiscal house in order. We're going to stop doing whatever the Democrats want to do. Because that's what's going on the last two years. We just, you know, we got Republicans up here caving to Democrats. I'm not going to do that. And now we have a group, and I'm glad what ha- has happened in the House. And it looks like that's where they're going to be. We're going to actually get something done. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited about where we're going. All right, go get him, Senator Rick Scott. Thanks so much. I right, see, you, Brian. Have a great day. You too. A lot of breaking news to handle, and he handled it. Uh, so can you? One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, we're back. Tony's listening in WABC in New Jersey. Hey, Tony. Hey, Brian. How are you? Great. What's on your mind? So, I... You know, I can never read Sid in, in the morning, and I know you were chatting with him about the mayor of New York and the illegals. And I just wanted to mention, I know you're sort of soft with him on the mayor. Everyone is. But when when we were, they were saying it's not really the mayor's fault um, because all these people are on him, it is the mayor's fault because, you know, the whole sanctuary city thing, the mayor can stop the sanctuary city. That's why we say it is his fault. And I agree. I, I said that last week, that if you want to stop that. Uh, he wants to fix the bail reform, and he brings it up, even though he doesn't have the power. He should do that, too. That would be unbelievable, but not popular with the majority of people in New York City, believe it or not. I can't believe it, Tony. I know. So I can never get Sid, because Sid will listen if he got his attention, and we don't want to alienate the mayor. But the mayor will not get to that point, so we have to pray for him. But thanks for taking my call, Brian. Yeah, the Sid, you're talking about Sid Rosenberg, the great morning go show guy who's on our show a lot on WABC. Uh, but keep in mind, the mayor, mayor, as far as we know, met with the president yesterday and did not publicly say anything about the 43,000 illegal aliens that are here and the thousands that are protesting that they have to, or the hundreds that are protesting that they have to relocate from the Watson Hotel to the Brooklyn a yard which is heated, it's got beds, it's got flat screens, it's got uh, ferry passes, it's got bus passes, MTA cards, you have free health care, and the illegals who evidently 
our refugees in need of shelter are complaining. While our shelters are overrun with illegals and everything else, while our military is on the streets, while our budget is uh, is overstressed, they are complaining. While wrecking the beautiful hotel rooms that we are paying for for them. I can't get my head around such idiocy. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. This all goes back to our failure in 2014 to punish Putin properly for what he had done. And we put on some sanctions, but they weren't really very tough. But we basically allowed him to invade Ukraine. He invaded, you remember, he took the Crimea and he took the, uh, the eastern parts of the Donbass. And then he kept twisting the knife in the wound, and we never really... Uh, punished him for it. Absolutely. And it goes back to that. I go back even further. What about Georgia? When they went in, just didn't like Shashkavili, what he was saying. So they just took a couple of provinces and never left. Mike Allen joins us now. He doesn't need to be briefed on this. He lived it. Special assistant to President George W. Bush, National Security Council uh, there, former majority staff director of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, managing director of Beacon Global Strategies in Washington. Michael, welcome back. Boris Johnson doing the rounds here, making sure there's some support, among other things, for a possible free trade agreement with Britain, but most importantly, to keep support strong for Ukraine. So do you believe that one of our biggest mistakes was not punishing him for 2014? I do. I feel like when we just did some rather weak sanctions, that told Putin, you know what, the West is not serious. They are not sending any weapons. They're not doing much training of Ukrainian forces. And the sanctions are not really hurting me. So the West doesn't really care. And I think Putin interpreted that as a green light to do and make more mischief in Eastern Europe. Right. So that was 2014. They walked in with their little green men. No one really knew what was happening. There was no military there. And they just took Crimea. And of course, they only sent what you're referring to, Michael, is Barack Obama only sent blankets and MREs, was afraid of escalating things and thought sanctions would do it and said, you got to give it back. And they said, no, I'm going to keep it. Khrushchev never should have given it away. uh, So I'm going to keep it. And he says that was his biggest crowning achievement. But it also let them know that you could probably take the rest of the country. What do you think of that decision? What do you think he thinks of that decision today? I think that um, Vladimir Putin is excited that he took Crimea, that he wants to be able to take it. I think Obama is is timid about this. He's blaming the Europeans and saying, oh, I wanted to be tougher way back when, but the Europeans wouldn't let me. And so now we have this huge region, Crimea, which is going to be a massive focal point in the war versus in the war between Ukraine and Russia some point in the coming months. And does the West support Ukraine to get all of its territory back? Or do we decide, you know what, Putin needs a faith saver. Let's let him keep Crimea because it's so important to him. And I'm not sure that's the right the right message to Putin to reward him for having taken that territory way back in 2014. Right now they have 15% of the country overall. They had 20%. Ukraine's taken some of it back, but that had an extremely heavy cost. Do you, from what you've seen so far, and intelligence got it all backwards, what you've seen so far, do you think the Ukrainian military can take the 15% back and Crimea? So I think if the West backs them to the hilt that they can't. But the problem with the Biden administration 
is that they're self-deterring all the time. They, in the name of, oh, we don't want to have a World War III, which I agree, we don't want to have a World War III, but I think they are holding back too much weaponry that we end up sending them months later anyway. And so in the interim, more people have died, and Russia has made greater inroads or at least entrenched themselves more in Ukrainian land when if we had given them tanks or Bradley fighting vehicles or even some of the artillery we eventually shipped, if we had given that to them sooner, maybe maybe Russia wouldn't be so entrenched where they are now and Ukraine wouldn't have so much of its territory still in Russian hands. All right. So they just think they'll destroy infrastructure. They'll send their people into a meat grinder. Can you believe, Mike Allen, in one year, less than a year, they've, uh, they say estimated Russians have lost 100,000 troops in 20 plus years in Afghanistan and Iraq. We, get, we didn't get a tenth of that. And that was still too intolerable. And so many people did get wounded. And if you're listening right now, I am not minimizing it. But to show you how little regard and little skill they fight with, little regard for life and the skill in which they fight with, they don't have. They're fighting like it's World War II or World War I, rather. How do you explain this? You know, I, I read about this and I keep seeing over and over that Russia's comparative advantage, the greatest thing that they can give to a battle throughout history is just sheer people and mass. They throw bodies at the problem. They aren't good at the things we're good at, which is coordinating different parts of our armed forces. They aren't necessarily that good at much other than artillery, and that means slaughtering the other side. What they're good at is throwing bodies at the problem, and that's what they're doing. And they're doing it all over the place, including um, when you think about their mercenary force full of prisoners – they're just shipping hundreds of them at the Ukrainians. The Ukrainians eventually gun them down, but it's exhausting. And I think it really is beginning to help the Russians hold territory a little bit, which is another reason why, if we're serious about Ukraine winning, and by the way, I, it's not that I want Ukraine to win just for some ideological reason or moral reason, although that might be reason enough. It's because it's in America's national interest to have our second greatest adversary degraded so that we might be able to pivot to China here as soon as possible and not have to worry about Russia so much because they've spent all of their material and certainly manpower. Yeah, no doubt. There should be pressure on India to stop buying the oil. China, we can only do so much. And uh, Iran, we can only do so much. But that has solidified their relationship. And there's been no pressure put on Iran. And there's been no explaining to the American people consistently why Ukraine matters. So therefore, and, and it's a lot of it's on the Republican side. People are saying, what a waste of money, uh, and why are we doing that? And, and the thing is, there's no public sentiment to explaining if, if they've, we've already looked the other way with Georgia. That didn't work out. We lost Crimea. We already looked away on Crimea, and now they're trying to take a country. What makes you think Moldova, the rest of Georgia, then the Estonia, uh, Latvia, and all the others? They'll do it through elections. They'll do it through cyber hits. They'll, they'll corrupt all this stuff, and next thing you know, it'll be just easier to give in, and then the Soviet Union will be reconstituted. That absolutely is on their agenda, don't you think? Yeah, I do. I mean, people are not necessarily taking into account, and I do blame President Biden for not addressing and explaining this to the nation, but Ukraine is a buffer zone for the United States. Were it not for the Ukrainians with our weapons— wearing down the Russians and keeping them at bay, the Russians would be threatening NATO. 
they might be all the way on the border with Poland by now. And you want to see the United States having to scramble actual soldiers over to Europe instead of just shipping them weaponry that was aging in warehouses anyway. That's the quickest way to put American forces at risk is if if Russian tanks are rolling westward and we're trying to literally Mm -hmm. avoid another war in Europe. So, So, you know, uh, this is for our benefit. Yeah. Explain that to the American public. That's it. We understand it. We're all grownups. We get it. Uh, We've been at war on and off for the last 20 years. So this this uh, former Putin speechwriter, Abbas Galamov, is now he's now a political commentator, said that uh, Vladimir Putin's ouster. Uh, could actually happen, that the military might toss him. A coup was indeed possible. From what you know, uh, Mike Allen, do you think that is indeed possible? Well, it's possible, but I think it's really hard because they have so many security services that watch each other. And some are loyal to Putin, the man, because he's paying them off. Putin has access to billions of dollars. And I think that he ensures that his personal security force is only loyal to him. So I'm not saying it can't happen, especially if you're the military with big guns, but I think it's just exceedingly hard to pull off a coup there when you have so many people with knives and guns at each other's throats. All right, so let's talk about Turkey. They're stopping Sweden and Finland from becoming members of, uh, members of NATO. What do they want, and can just one member stop this admission? They can because everyone has to essentially – Um, change the original founding treaty of NATO. So everybody has to agree. I think the Turks will get there. What the Turks are upset about is that, you know, they have a blood feud with the Kurdish people. And in history, some Kurds have created or otherwise done what we would probably call terrorist attacks in parts of Turkey. And some of the political activists, not the bombers, not the terrorists, some of their political activists have relocated to places like Sweden and Finland and elsewhere in Europe for political asylum. And the Turks are rather unrealistically saying, listen, ship them back to us, or you better not provide any place for these asylees to live. And I think Sweden and Finland have tried to negotiate with them in a reasonable way. Um, but Tur- but you know what? Erdogan's just a difficult man. He's really hard to negotiate with. I think he's now overplaying his hand. I think everybody was trying to be solicitous, trying to listen to him. But now he's overdone it, and people are getting frustrated and saying, listen, this is a big deal. These two countries have, after 50 years of history, decided to turn their back on Russia, turn their back on neutrality, and formally join with the West and quit screwing around, Erdogan, and let's get the show on the road. Yeah, no kidding. He's got a, an election coming up. He's a corrupt leader who uh, jails uh, and jails and kills journalists and makes up coup attempts. So we'll see what yeah. happens over there. Lastly, there was a uh, there was a uh, general that came out and says in his gut he believes that we're going to have war with China by 2025. Do you? I don't think that soon. I, by the way, didn't have a problem with the general saying that. Like, I want to give you my commander's intent. You people better start working really hard because we could be at war soon. I think it. I think the Chinese need a little bit more time to finish buying the types of weaponry and landing craft and helicopters that they need to get people over the hundred mile, hundred miles of water onto the beaches of Taiwan. So I, that's why I think twenty twenty seven 
is more realistic, but I wouldn't rule it out at all because you never know when Xi Jinping is going to decide, you know what, this is the best moment to go. Back to give them the defensive weapons they need to defend themselves. What are we waiting for? They've already been okayed. We just don't deliver, don't understand it. Uh, Mike Allen, thanks so much. Special Assistant to the President uh, Bush and now Managing Director of Beacon Global uh, Strategies in Washington. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. You got him. Uh, When we come back, I'll finish up to find out if we need to know more. I think we do need to know more. Right, Allison? Good. It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everyone. I, I have so much on more to know. I can't even kid around. Let's get right to it. More to know. Sponsored by Unplugged. Reclaim your privacy from big tech snooping with Unplugged. Visit Unplugged.com. Here we go. Prince Harry won't have the final say in his book Spare just yet. In response to his son's bombshell memoir, King Charles III is said to be preparing to share his side of the story. Wow. The British monarch will be the subject of a highly anticipated BBC profile on May 6th. Insiders speculate that Charles could use the interview as an opportunity to discuss recent claims about the royal family. He's got to fire back, don't you think? Because he did invite Harry to his induction into the King Hall of Fame. <laughs> or otherwise known as the coronation. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think he'll say something, but I think he'll say something very dignified and it won't be as juicy as everyone thinks. And then all the royal insiders will be dissecting every word How about and this? pause. Show class. 100%. And just say, you know, he's always going to be my son, disappointed with a lot of material. I'm sad that he thinks that that's accurate. Mm-hmm. How about that? I think he I probably would make would... a great king. <laughs> you would, should my Should my family turn on me? You know, they're doing this on May 6th. Do you think maybe on May 7th they'll, like, give you that for your birthday? I think they'll they will. They'll knight you? I think king that. Kill I would be a nice surprise. I mean, you just blew it, so forget it now. There you go. And it does roll off the tongue. It's an alliteration. It all makes sense. Right. Next, Giselle Bunchen prepared to break her silence on her divorce from Tom Brady, all in Vanity Affair. The Brazilian supermodel will go back to supermodeling. Now, sources say that the mother of two will pose for a cover and talk in depth about a divorce. Uh, I could quote, I could see this as a cover to celebrate Earth Month in April as that's a subject close to Giselle's heart. Do you really think she's celebrating Earth Month, or is this Get Back at Tom Day? I don't think she's going to get back at Tom. I think she's going to... Celebrate Earth. Well, I think she'll talk about her love of the planet, yes. But um, I don't know. I just don't think it's going to be as juicy as everyone thinks. I hope not. Yeah. I just hope it's like, hey, we, we grew apart. Mm-hmm. Now let me go work out. 100%. Next, Michael Jackson's nephew, Jafar Jackson, cast a play, Michael Jackson. It's a confer- it's confirmed that Jafar Jackson will play his uncle. Uh, Jafar is 26. He's a nephew. Uh, his father is Michael's brother and former member of the Jackson 5. Details about the project have slowly been emerging. He'll be directed by Antoine Fuqua, which means nothing to me, but he head up Emancipation, which I did not see. Uh, quote, I'm humbled and honored to bring my uncle's story to life. Look. Everyone knows him. It would be the brother. Well, that's true. They yeah. can't tell everything. That, that's the thing. It's like how how many of the scandals are they going to get into or alleged scandals? We are still on the fence about Michael Jackson. People don't know. Oh, should we stop playing his music? Is he a child molester? We wait a year. We play some music. Something that comes out. People go, you know, people go silent again. What do we do with Michael Jackson's legacy? I feel like you separate the man from the music a little bit because his songs really are. There are so many. They're so good. I mean... 
I know you're such, you know, the dancer extraordinaire, but who doesn't hear some of them want to just get up and get down? Not yet. <laughs> uh, next, a 22-year-old coach busted for pretending to be a 13-year-old player and absolutely wrecking girls' JV basketball game. This 22-year-old Virginia assistant girls' JV coach was caught impersonating a 13-year-old player and absolutely dominating. The story was brought to light on Monday evening by sports reporter Craig Lopez of WAVY News in Hampton Roads, Virginia. After he was contacted by a parent on the team about the foul play, Arisha Boykins was an assistant for Churchland High in Virginia. She decided to pose as a player and and, and could not attend the game on Friday, uh, January 21st. Loper had an over the Loper had an over the phone interview with the father whose daughter was impersonating Boykins. Uh, coaches also preached to the kids about integrity, uh, so was shocked and just needed an apology because they just hadn't yet received one from the overseer of the program. He just came out and told us the stipulations about what was going to happen, but there was no apology. So the twenty-two year old played against thirteen year olds and was really good. And yeah. impersonated another player on the team. Well, she was the assistant coach. The player didn't show up, so she, you know. Used, I guess, her jersey, but uh, yeah, so it was quite the scandal. But how can you do that? They said she dominated. I mean, she would look really young. The mental image of a 22 year old Ah. dunking on a 13 year old. Uh, Well, they're not dunking, there's only like the Brittany Griner's the only one who can dunk, so to speak, (laughs) right? I mean, but plus, it's the guy you know, you see the facial hair. With women, they just look no, a 13 year old girl and a 22 year old woman, their bodies are different. No, but some develop earlier. True, but I feel like you're just you're generally much more like stickly as that. So pa- pass it to the girl with the curves. Yeah, basically. Right, absolutely. <laughs> um, I had so many more more to knows. You took a lot out. Well, I mean, I just made my own list. Really, I mean, there are more there too. But when Bert- you were a coach, did you ever think of impersonating like one of your son's friends to play? Only when they were like seven. Oh, because then, then I would have made a difference. They got really good after a while. Then I just started going. You know, you're better off you just play. Uh, next, Bernie Sanders selling $95 tickets for It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism event. Sanders got a new book coming out. It's Okay to Be, you just heard the title. Uh, March 1st is going to be the big event. It's going to be at the Anthem, a music venue and auditorium in, in Washington. Holders of the expensive tickets receive a free copy of Sanders' book, which is available for $28 on Penguin. So, Mr. I Hate Capitalism, making a ton of money and selling books. How do we, how do we, how does this guy from Brooklyn? Hypocrisy at its finest. Right. Tickets are as high as 95 bucks a pop. How come people don't ever say he's too old? He's old. I think he's older than Joe Biden, isn't he? Because he's got it mentally. He's quick. He's funny. He's a little endearing, even though you might not agree with his policy. Right. I mean, some of the things going up, standing up for working class people, are very much like Trump. But he was so afraid to agree with Trump on anything. Uh, but, you know, I guess he's still got some popularity. But we need a socialist maybe in the 70s as opposed to the 80s or 60s. Excuse me. I'm talking. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.